Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Cool, everyone. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Vian. I'm the pastor at Shofar Sakuna and it's such a... I want to privilege me to be here, the first service of the year, and just come and speak to you. Um, and my hope and my prayer is that, you know, we experienced a lot of goodness last year, the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. And uh, just as God came and, you know, gave momentum and he added people to the church, you know, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of uncertainty, one thing will remain true, and that is that Jesus is building his church. Because he says, I will build my church and jesus will do it until the day he comes back and we saw that last you know in the midst of everything in one prayer that i have you know in the midst of you know it seemed to relax a little bit and, and the number of COVID cases went down and we started to go back to more or less normal life and then all of a sudden you know the cases spike again another lockdown hits and people get discouraged you know and we lose a little bit of hope but my prayer really is that that momentum that God came in and gave us last year, that unity, that vision and that purpose that just resonated in everybody's life will be carried over to this year. And there where you are, I'm asking you to pray into that, to ask God, Lord, the, the momentum that we experienced, the vision that we experienced, the unity and the purpose that we experienced last year, Lord, we want to bring that over into this year. Not start over, you know, there's not new momentum that we need to create or new unity that we need to foster as a church. It's already there. God is busy moving and working in this time. And we just need to position ourselves in the will and the ways of God. And we will again experience that momentum. And we will again experience that unity that God brings. You know, and regardless of the confusing times that we are in, you know, just like I, I said in the ministry of the worship, whatever is found in Christ should be seen in the life of Christians. There's hope in Christ, there's peace in Christ, there's joy and purpose and fulfillment in Christ, and therefore it should be seen in the life of believers. And it says in Hebrews 6 verse 19 that we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, you know, speaking about the promises of God and that the one who promised is faithful and that God sealed it with an oath. And he's not a man that he should lie, but he has given us hope. And that hope can be an anchor for our souls, and we can hold fast to that because we know that God is faithful and that God is true. You know, last year we spoke a lot about, you know, the three things that we want to do because Jesus is who he is, the high priest who went and made a way for us. We want to draw near to God with the true heart and full assurance of faith. You know, as it says in Hebrews 10 verse 19 to 24, and you can go and read that again. But what to draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. We want to draw near to God to take hold of the things that he has for us. In the midst of chaos and uncertainty, that is the one thing that you need to cling on and that you need to hold fast to, the presence of God in your life. It's now more than ever something that we cannot forsake to draw near. And then it says, and let us hold fast to the hope of our confession. Because he who promised is faithful. And I want to encourage us to hold fast to the hope of our confession. Jesus is coming back. There will be a day where every tear is wiped away, sickness and death will be no more, and we'll be in the paradise with our God for all eternity, and He Himself will be the light of the city. What a day to look forward to. And then also, as it says in verse 24, and let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, especially as we see the day drawing near, you know, never has that made more sense, that especially as the times that we are living in to consider how to stir one another to loving good works, especially in the times that we are living, especially as we see the day drawing near, as the world 
goes from bad to worse. As the love of many grows cold because lawlessness abound, let's consider how to stir one another to love and good work. So we should have that hope, you know, and I want to say that in the beginning, you know, whatever you are going through or facing, that there should be a hope, even in the midst of these uncertain times, because we believe in the one that gives hope. There should be a hope, you know, there should be a desire to to cling on to God and the things that He has for us. And I know it's it's not easy, you know, this race set before us, this race that we need to, you know, finish, this race of faith to run with endurance. Yeah, but many times, we run with difficulty because we ourselves are taking up things that we are not supposed to take up. We are holding fast to things that we are not supposed to hold fast to. We are not focused. There's no discipline. You know, like Paul says, I do not run aimlessly. And sometimes we run aimlessly in the race set before us. And that is why we many times struggle. There's certain things that we need to let go of. And that's what we're going to speak about tonight. The title of our sermon is Let Go to Take Hold of. You know, and it's something that we all understand. It's something that makes sense, a basic principle that I only have 24 hours in a day. I only have seven days a week. I only have a couple of weeks in a month. I only have a couple of months in a year. I have limited time. I have limited resources. There's only so much that I can do. And although it's such a simple principle, it's something we many times find difficult to put into practice. The fact that we should let go of certain things so that we can take hold of God and the things that he has for us. And we're going to read a passage of scripture in, in Matthew 4 from verse 18 to 22. It's Jesus calling his disciples and we see this principle, but in it we also find the keys to why it's so easy for them to let go. Why it's so easy for them to lay aside certain things and follow Jesus. So let's read together. Matthew 4 from verse 18 to 22. It says the following, While walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat of Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father, and followed him. And then just to clarify something, many times we read that passage of Scripture and we think to ourselves, yes, would we have done that? Would we have let go of everything that we have known to be life so that we can follow this guy that we've met for the first time? But that isn't the first time the disciples see Jesus. They've seen him before. They've heard him speak. They've seen him minister to the crowds. They were with him in the wedding at, Gal at um, Canaan. They saw him turn the water into wine. The first instance where they saw Jesus while they were still busy being disciples of John the Baptist. And as Jesus walked past, John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And uh, Simon and Peter, uh, Simon and Andrew actually followed Jesus. Andrew went and fetched Simon and says, Come look, we found the Messiah. They went and fetched Nathaniel and Andrew. And they spent the night with Jesus before they began to follow him. They heard him speak. They saw him do the miracle of turning water turning water into wine. And then in Luke 5, we read the passage of Scripture. As Jesus was busy ministering to the crowds, he said to Peter, bring your boat close. And he got into the boat and he taught the people from the boat while they were still fishermen. And it's at that moment where Jesus said to them, cast your net on the left-hand side. And he says, Master, we've toiled all night, but at your word we will let down our nets. And they brought up that catch of fish and Peter realized who Jesus was, fell at his feet and said, Lord, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. And it's at that moment where Jesus calls them. 
and they leave everything behind to follow him. So it's not their first encounter. And what I want to say by that is I don't say, you know, that we should be passive in our pursuit of Jesus, you know, and give it some time before we let go of certain things and follow him. What I'm saying is that God will give you time and he will show you the things that you need to see and he will give you the grace that you need to have to leave certain things behind and follow him. He will not call you on a time when you are not ready. He knows your heart. He's given you grace and he's revealing certain things to you so that when he calls and when he points out, you have the grace to let go of the things that you need to let go, to take hold of the things that you need to take hold of. That is the graciousness of God. You know, and this is something that we just see in this passage. You know, obviously they knew that they cannot follow Jesus and become features of men while they are busy doing their everyday life. And something that I also want to say from the beginning is that the aim of the seven is not for you to leave your day job, quit everything, and begin to follow Jesus. It's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that there's certain things in life that you need to let go of in your pursuit of Jesus, in you following Jesus, in what he's making you. There's certain things that you want to see through your life, a becoming process to become fishes of men. And there's certain things that's going to hinder you and certain things that's going to help you. And you need to discern what those things are. So let's start with the part that you know most people find the most challenging about this part. Whenever you read through this passage or speak to people about this and you ask them what stands out for you, it will be these two verses. Verse 20 it says the following, Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And verse 22, immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. You know, the question that we ask many times is, you know, would I have done the same? Do I have the capacity to leave behind what I need to leave behind to follow Jesus? What are the nets? What are the boats and the father that I need to leave behind? Please don't leave your father behind. It's not what the scripture is trying to say. But there's certain things that we need to leave behind to follow Jesus. And the question is, would we do the same? And it's something that, that we understand, you know, it makes sense to us, like I said. We know that we are limited in the time that we have, the capacity that we have. We can only do a certain amount of things. But yet the practice of it, to put this principle into practice, I've not seen it that often, you know. Even through the strange year that we are going through, you know, last year and this year, there's still people with New Year's resolutions or things that they say, you know, they're going to be better at this year. This is going to be the year that I devote myself to the reading of the word or prayer. I'm going to really know my Bible. You know, this is the year that I'm going to be fit. I'm going to start jogging. I'm going to start cycling. I'm start going to the gym. And what you hear, and even through the year, not only in the beginning of the year, is what new things people want to start. What new things people want to start doing. But rarely do you hear them speak about the old things that they want to lay aside or the bad habits that I want to stop doing, or the things that are going to hinder me from that. And you know, we might have a bit of resilience in the beginning of the year, a bit of enthusiasm to keep us going for about a month, two, maybe three, but eventually we'll burn out if we do not lay aside certain things to start doing new things. Now, and we're obviously going to focus specifically about faith and our discipleship journey with Jesus, but it's true for every area of life. Whatever you want to pursue, there's certain things that you have to lay aside to pursue new things, except if you really sleep a lot. You know, there's a recent study that was done that South Africa is the sleepiest nation in the world. We average more than nine hours a night. Where are these people? Where are they? Sleeping more than nine hours a night. Now, for them, they don't have to start anything new. They just have to wake up a little bit earlier. 
they actually have the time and the capacity to do something new. But for most people, we need to lay aside certain things if you want to begin new ones. You know, and me and my wife, believe it or not, we were jogging a couple of weeks ago. Not very far, you know, we, we like to stay close to home. We don't circle Sekunda, we just circle our block, maybe once. But as we were jogging, you know, and I'm considering people that are really devoted to fitness, really devoted, you know, they give a lot of time and energy and all of themselves to this pursuit. And as I was thinking about fitness, you know, you get different spheres of fitness, running, cycling, CrossFit, you know, bodybuilding, and it really takes a lot. It really takes a lot of effort. And there's different spheres and areas of life. You know, if you want to become a writer or a sculptor, if you want to become an entrepreneur, start up a new business, these things take time. And as I was running, I was thinking to myself, man, oh man, how much discipline a Christian will need to have another devotion. And the reason I'm saying another devotion is because we are supposed to have a devotion already, a primary one, a you know, one that is supreme above the rest, that just towers above them all, and that is the devotion to Christ. We already have a devotion. How difficult, how much discipline, how much saying no to other things will be needed if you want to do other things in life as well. And the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3, it says, I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a pure and sincere devotion to Christ. There's someone that wants to steal your devotion. How difficult for a Christian to devote themselves to other things because we're already supposed to be devoted to Christ. And there's one that wants to lead us astray. You know, the King James Version and the New King James Version says, the simplicity that is in Christ, the single-mindedness, this narrow focus, the simple principle of being devoted to one thing and one thing alone, that is Jesus and all that he has for me. If it's not part of his vision, his call, and his commission, then I don't want a part of it. Simplicity that is found in Christ. That is what I'm pursuing. And many times people would say something to you like, no, it's easy to be fit or to, you know, pursue CrossFit or to be a bodybuilder or whatever. You just wake up half past five in the morning, go to the gym, and then, you know, Christians that get up early in the morning is like, we already do that. We're already up at half past four. But we are not going to the gym. We are going to the one who came and laid down his life for us so that we can be with him for eternity. The lover of my soul. So if I want to do that, I need to get up at three o'clock or half past three and go to the gym. Then they'll say, no, you can do it at night. Like now I have kids and a wife. And I would like to be devoted to them as well. I'd like to give myself to my wife and to my kids. How difficult for a Christian to have multiple things that they're devoted to in this life. How difficult. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying that you're going to need discipline and you need to be aware of when it steals from your devotion to Christ. When the sincerity and the purity of our devotion to Christ gets stolen from the enemy. And we live in a life and a generation where burnout is a certainty. It's not when or if you're going to get burnout, it's when you're going to get burnout. How many times, how many people experience burnout in their life? And what is the result of burnout? Too much taking up, too little letting go. It's because we try to do too much things instead of shifting things aside, laying aside weight, laying aside sin that hinders us from running this race with endurance. Taking too hold of too much 
and letting go of too little. That is when burnout happens. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12 verse 1. Speaking about running with endurance this race that he said before us. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You know what scripture likens us to is a runner or an athlete or a cyclist that the farther we go, the more weight we add on. Now Maria is sitting here on the couch and Maria, does that make sense? To put on more weight the farther you go. No, it does not. Especially cyclists, you know, they will spend ridiculous amounts of money to see how light they can make that bicycles of theirs. Yeah, Maria is nodding. He says, it's true, it's true. I'm not making this up, guys. They want to see how light the bicycle can be. They want to see how much weight they can shed because they know that any extra weight will hinder their endurance. It will hinder the race that they are trying to finish, that they are trying to run. And many times as we are running, as we are cycling, we are putting on more weight, more sin that clings so closely, not intentionally letting go of the things that's keeping us behind. And scripture says, you know, if we want to consider those who have finished the race, there will be one thing that's true in all of their lives. Those who have run the race that's set before them, those who finished the fight of faith, they set aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. Because it says, let us also, implying that that is what they did. They were intentional in letting go of the things that's keeping them behind. And before we start new things, we should ask ourselves, but what old things are we going to let go of? That takes us to the first point for tonight. Let go to take hold. Point number one. We have to be intentional in letting go. And it's a very simple point. Like I say, we understand the principle, but when it comes to the intentionality of it, we many times struggle. As intentional as we are in starting new things, so intentional we need to be in letting go of old things. You know, and the Bible speaks about this principle in many areas of life you know there's certain things that will only steal time from you and that will hinder you from doing what you've been called to do but there's certain things that's in direct opposition of one another you cannot do both scripture says train yourself in the good doctrine have nothing to do with irrelevant silly myths you cannot pursue both in the times that we are living in how many people are devoting themselves to irrelevant silly myths you know, conspiracy theories, you know, and they'll spend days diving into I don't know what books and reading up about I don't know what people. But when it comes to the good doctrine, there's no devotion. You cannot be devoted to both. Even if you have enough time, you cannot do both. Scripture says that silly, irrelevant myths will steal your good doctrine. It'll defile it, it'll pollute it. You cannot do both. It says, flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, love and hope with all of those who call upon God with a pure heart. You cannot do both. You cannot give in to youthful temptations. You cannot give in to lust and pursue love at the same time. It's in direct opposition to one another. Scripture says in Colossians, put off the old self and put on the new self. That is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. You cannot do both. You have to put off one to take on another. So there's certain things that will just steal time, but certain things will do more than steal time. It will be in direct opposition to the things that God has called us to. You know, in certain things, it's, it's easy. As we are sitting here right now, as you are sitting at home, there's things that you are very, very aware of that adds nothing to your faith that you keep yourself busy with. It adds nothing to your faith. adds nothing 
to your walk with God. You want to give some of us a clue, you know, sometimes, yes, it's sin in our lives, but sometimes it's just stuff that keeps us passive. If it has a screen and it's not there to edify me or to train me or to encourage me in the work that God has called me to do, set it aside. It is of no use. It is of no value. And one of the lies that the devil has sold us is that, you know, the series that we watch or the irrelevant things, that that is rest. It is not rest. It is simply a distraction. I don't know who of you have experienced it. You know, that's one of the things that I should lay down. I said this this week in, in small group, that one of the things that I should stop doing that is really adding nothing to my walk with God. And we were speaking Afrikaans, and Robin said to me, you know, after a while, you know, uh, she, uh, she's not sure if she understands me right. She's not sure if I just made a confession, you know, to my small group. But what I said is, I can up fail videos, cake up YouTube. And fail, I mean, F-A-I-L, like fail. People that fail at trying to do certain things. I'm not meaning fail as in dirty. Um, she said that to me afterwards. So if you're my small group and you're watching, that is what I meant Wednesday. I'm not busy watching dirty videos on YouTube. It's fail videos of people just trying to do certain things and failing. You know, and I love it. And I'm, I'm entertained by it and I laugh. But it adds no value. It adds no value to my life. And if I'm not intentional in setting that aside, and it steals time. It steals time that I could be used for so much more things. And the one day as I was sitting and watching a couple of these videos, just afterwards I, I saw a snippet of what's going on in America and in the world. Of people and the ideas that they have and the philosophies that they come up with. And I'm like, Lord, I repent. You've called me to be a carrier of truth in the midst of a generation that hates truth. And here I'm sitting, watching people fall on YouTube. I repent, Lord. This is not what you've called me to do. It's adding nothing to my faith and I should let that aside. But then there's certain things that's a bit more difficult. A bit more difficult to define. And I've spoken to so many people that says the following to me. I simply don't have time for prayer or the word. What they are implying is that when they look at their life, there's nothing that they see that is unworthy or unfit for a Christian to be busy with and to set that aside. That's the implication. There's nothing in my life that's not very valuable to me, that's not stealing my time, or that's not valuable to my walk with God. So I don't simply don't have time. And that is obviously a lie. God did not create us to be busy with so much stuff that we don't have time to spend with the one that jealously yearns for the spirit that dwells within us. There is no way. We are busy with stuff. So how do I distinguish? How do I define? How do I know which things I should lay aside and which things I should take hold of? What is the defining factor? And the answer to it is the same reasons the disciple left everything so easily. It's found here in verse 19. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The day the disciples realized who they followed, the worth of the one they are following, and the vision and the commission that he had for their lives, they left everything behind. I know who I'm following and I know what I've been called to become. So I let go of these things because it will add no value. And from that day, that would define not only what the disciples let go of, but also what they took hold of. If it doesn't add to the vision and the value that God has for me, I will not take it up. 
I will lay that aside because it's not going to add anything to my life. The key is vision, commission, and calling. If I understand the vision that God has for me, if I understand the commission I have as a disciple, and understand the calling that I've received from God, then I will let go of the things that hinders that. You know, and in today's life, people have been placing value on doing instead of being. We think that if we are doing certain things, it's adding value to our life instead of focusing on becoming certain people. And we are, when we are too focused on doing instead of becoming, or instead of the one we are following, we get distracted and we don't know what we should lay aside because we are busy doing a lot of things. But what am I becoming? What is the focus of where I'm going? And we, un- we have to understand the worth of the one we are following, guys. The supreme worthiness of God. There's no one more worthy, no one more satisfying than Jesus. And if we understand that, the importance of the commission and the call, then we will lay aside these other things. Look at what the writer of Hebrews says in verse 12 when he speaks about laying aside these weights and laying aside these sins. It says in verse 2, the reason why we can do this is because we are looking to Jesus. We are looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So not only should that be our vision and our focus, but the reason why Jesus endured is because he was focused on the vision. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God, because Jesus knew what he was called to do. You know, we read in Proverbs 28, verse 18, there where there's a lack of vision, people cast off restraint, or they become discouraged. The ESV version says, where there's a lack of prophetic vision, people cast off restraint, or they become discouraged. It makes sense. Where people don't know where they are going, they will go nowhere. And the question that we need to ask ourselves is, who am I following? Where am I going, and who am I becoming? Who am I following, where am I going, and what am I becoming? To focus on becoming instead of doing. Following Jesus. You know that the term discipleship is found nowhere in Scripture? You know, and we are so focused on discipleship courses and methods and stuff, we are forgetting about the one we are simply called to follow. It's as simple as following Jesus. To love Him, to listen to Him, and obey Him. I follow God, I open His Word, and what I see Him command me, I do that. That is the simplicity that is found in Christ. And that takes us to the second point for tonight. Let go to take hold. Point number two. We need a value and a vision of God to take hold of the things of God. And what I mean by a value of God, I mean valuing God. To understand the ultimate and supreme value that is God Himself. You know, it says to the Israelites in Jeremiah 2 that they've committed the greatest sin of all times. They've forsaken the cistern of living water and hewed out for themselves cisterns that can hold no water. Jesus is the one we find our delight in. He's the one that has eternal life, that gives living water, living bread that sustains. And if we drink and we eat, we will never hunger again. We need to value God. That says in Jeremiah 9 verse 24, that if we boast, we should boast in the fact that we understand and know God. In these things I delight, declares the Lord. And it's because we don't understand God and we don't know God that we get distracted with so many things in life. 
And I know it sounds difficult. How will I understand God? How will I know God? But Scripture says to us in 1 Corinthians 2 from verse 10 that we have received the Spirit of God. Who knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of a man that is in him? So who knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God? For we did not receive the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of God that we might freely know the things given us by God. The grace of God poured out and the power of God given so that we can understand and know God. And Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 verse 4, and he says, No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, for his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. You know, and I've seen this so many times that when you speak to people about certain things, you know, the screens of ours that add no value to our lives and the many things that we watch and spend our time with, many people will say, but what's wrong with it? What's wrong with it? You know, it's not outright sin, the things that I'm keeping myself busy with. But the question we should ask is not what's wrong with it, but what is the point of it? What is the point? What you are keeping yourself busy with, what is the point of it? What is the purpose of it? If you've given a day or a couple of hours to it, what do you hope to achieve at the end? What is the point of what you are keeping yourself busy with? And the clarity and the value of the vision we have of God will define what we take hold of and what we let go. And what we neglect to let go and what we for, you know, are unable to take hold of also show us the things that we value in our lives. If there's something in your life that you know is hindering your relationship with God and you refuse to let it go, it's because you value it more than Christ. It's a hard truth, but a truth nonetheless. But what do I value? And the question we need to ask ourselves is, if you look at your life and what you are keeping yourself busy with, the things that you are doing, what do you value? Where are you headed and what are you becoming? If you simply were to say to someone, listen here, I, I want to do something. I'm going to take my month or my week or my days and I'm going to place out certain things that I keep myself busy with. These are the things that I'm doing and I want you to say to me, what is it that I am becoming? What is it that I value? Where is it that I'm headed? What would be the answer that people give you? You know, if you were to be practicing for a marathon or, you know, some cycling thing or triathlon or whatever it might be and you set out, your week and your month for someone, you say, listen, this is the things that I'm busy doing. At least you will deduct from that that you are someone serious about fitness, someone serious about cycling, serious about exercise because I can see that that is what you keep yourself busy with. It's the things that you are doing. And then you say, yes, I'm training for this thing. Or if he doesn't deduct from what you are doing that you are training for a marathon, then cancel. Don't go. You're not going to make it. Because you're not keeping yourself busy with the right things. As disciples of Jesus, people who want to know him, become like him and be with him forever. If you look at your life, is that something that resonates through it? And as with everything, the key in this value and this vision that we are to receive of God is found in the gospel of our glorious Savior, Jesus Christ. Now Paul writes in Philippians 3 verse 12 and he says the following, Not that I have already obtained this, well, I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Why? Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Because the King of kings and the Lord of lords has made me his own. That is why I press on. That is why I continue, because I understand the gospel. And what is the this that Paul is speaking about? He says, I've not already obtained this. What is the this? 
And it says in verse 8 to verse 11 that I say, I count everything as a loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ and being found in Him. For His sake, I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I might be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that depends on the law, but that that depends on faith, the righteousness of God that depends on faith, that I might know Him and become like Him. My share in His suffering, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means necessary I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. That is why I press on. That is what I hope to achieve, that I might know Him, that I might become like Him, and that I might be with Him forever. Why? Because Christ Jesus has made me His own. And when we realize that, that worthiness of Jesus that Paul spoke about, for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my, lo- my Lord, I count all things as loss. I shift them aside. I lay aside that weight. I lay aside that sin. I lay aside what hinders me. And our lives might be all fast to re- reveal that value that we place on Jesus. And if there's little value, the key is not to try harder to proclaim it more, the key is to be more intentional in looking to Jesus, considering Him, beholding Him. And as we do that, to ask God, as Moses did, Lord, show me Your glory. Show me Your glory, Lord. Reveal to me the beauty of Your Son. As I dive into Scripture, as I press in in the Word, show me Your glory. And to have that tenacity that Jacob had in Genesis 32 in saying, Lord, I will not let You go unless You bless me. And the Scripture says in Isaiah 10 verse, 12. Seek the Lord until He comes and rains down righteousness upon you. We have to have that mentality. If I see that Jesus is not supremely worthy, if I don't see that surpassing worth of the Son of God, then I need to ask God as I dig in, as I dive in, and as I won't let go, to show me your glory. And as God does that, we'll be like Moses when we're going to the promised land, said, Lord, if you don't go with us, we will not go. Because I want nothing if I can't have you. The one who's ultimately more worthy. So I leave us with one thought for this year. And if this is one thing that we can cling to, that we can find hope in, and that can always keep us encouraged, then I hope that we keep this in front of us. It's because Jesus took hold of us that we can take hold of him. Because Jesus took hold of us, we can take hold of him. And we're going to dive into our breakout rooms now and i really want to encourage you please join the breakout room we need it now more than ever as it says in hebrews 10 24 to consider how to stir one another to love and good works to build hope to build faith to build perseverance and i really want to encourage us to do that to hold fast to god to seek him with everything in us and what i want us to discuss as we go into our breakout rooms is simply what is your expectation for this year what is your expectation what do you long to see? And if there's no expectation, if there's no hope, if there's no peace, if there's no joy, if there's no fulfillment, to know that whatever is found in Christ can be seen in a Christian. Whatever is found in Christ should be seen in a Christian. And we can go and find it in Christ if we're intentional in taking hold of God and the things that He has for us. So what is your expectation for this year? And then the second question I want us to discuss is, have you considered what to take hold of and what to let go? So simply, what's your expectation for this year? Secondly, 
have you considered what to let go of and what to take hold of and you know don't don't feel obliged you know, to share everything you know these are the things that i struggle with and this is my sin it's not the place for it over online platform to do those things um, you can meet with someone that you really trust and love and go and speak to them about those things but just simply what is your expectation and have you considered were you intentional in making time to consider these are the things i should let go and these are the things that i should take hold of so let me pray for us before we enter our groups yes lord father i just pray father that we would be intentional, Father, in setting aside, Lord, the things that's holding us back from knowing you, Lord, becoming like you and being with you forever, Father. And I pray, Lord, that as we dive into the scriptures, Father, as we fall down on our knees in prayer, Lord, that we would grow, Lord, in valuing you, Father, in seeing your worth, your holiness, your beauty, Lord, your supremacy above all things. And knowing that that God came and laid down his life for us. You came to take hold of us, Lord. Because the love of Christ compels us. May we grow in that, Lord. I pray, Father, for everyone to just be renewed, Lord, in their vision, Father, so that you might reveal to them the things that you've called them to, Father, our commission, Lord, to go out and preach the gospel to all the nations, Father. And if we are uncertain about the things to which you've called us, Lord, there's one purpose that we can be certain of, that everyone that I have met and everyone that I will meet should either hear the gospel from me the first time or continually be reminded of it. But we will preach the gospel wherever we go. And we will start there, Lord. And we will follow you. And I pray, Father, that people will understand, Lord, the importance of the calling, Lord, the importance of the commission we have as Scripture in the midst of a crooked generation to shine as lights, Lord. And I pray for that endurance, Lord, as we cast aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. And thank you, Father, that you've given us the grace to do what you've called us to do. May we never try on our own power, Lord, but like Paul says, your grace towards us was not in vain. We labored harder than any of them, yet not we, Lord, but the grace of God towards us. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your leading. And thank you, Jesus, for being the author and perfecter of our faith. In Jesus' name, amen.